This is NFL.com's Coaches Show Podcast. 40 men together can't lose. This is why you lift all them weights. Everybody's driving out there. Nobody's got them. And now we're going. There's a gleam, men. There's a gleam. Brian Billick and Steve Mariucci here for the Coaches Show podcast. This week, we analyze the biggest storylines from Week 10 in the NFL, including the Panthers' statement win over the 49ers. Plus, we debate which NFL teams present a better opportunity for a head coach. The Coaches Show podcast starts now. Well, Steve, normally at the end of the show is when we I want your takeaways because you get a chance to sit and watch all these games. But let's start with that. What's the biggest thing that jumped out at you from, I know where you're going on this one. Well, you know, we're sitting over there in stage one, and we're watching eight games, and, you know, it's uh, amazing, uh, the ones that attract your attention, okay? And your game, I'll be honest with you, yesterday, your game that you did uh, with the Carolina Panthers at the San Francisco 49ers was a fascinating game on a lot of levels because in the morning, most of us picked the 49ers to win that game. We all figured, meh, Carolina's an up-and-coming team. Uh, forget about the hot seat with Ron Rivera. He's paid a man. This guy's doing a heck of a job. But we thought it would be a hard-fought game, especially defensively. But I was really impressed with Carolina. Um, the defense, the second-ranked scoring defense, Brian, uh, came in there and really shut down that 49er offense. It's not a West Coast offense. I don't know what the name of it is. It's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, some smash mouth, and they shut it down and sacked Colin Kaepernick. I was amazed how how effective they were, even though they were good. And I was always uh, also, you know, when you talk about the offense of Carolina with Mike Shula, I like what he's doing with Cam, and I like Cam's maturity. He's really over the last three years, it's noticeable uh, on the field and off the field. These two teams, both, was interesting, both were extraordinarily confident when you sit and talk to them. Really? And it stemmed from the fact that they both had a great deal of faith in their front seven, that they weren't going to have to involve the safeties and corners and do all that type of stuff so they could kind of be protected on the back end. They thought their front sevens were going to shut down the running game of the opponent. And both very, very confident that way. And what you and they both did a pretty good they job. Did. There's yeah. no question about it. But what Carolina did that was was most interesting to me is just what you said. They were able to put pressure on Colin Kaepernick. They got the running game kind of stifled, and I think it shocked the 49ers a little bit that they weren't going to be able to run the ball against a seven-man box or when they spread it out against that six-man box. And and so that freed up Carolina to involve the safeties or be a little more passive in the secondary to where when they did want to throw the ball, Colin's kind of holding the ball like, well, I, I don't have a, a places to go right now. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Hardy and Johnson and then the late dog uh, uh, Davis and, and Keekley and, you know, they bring the back in there and chip. And as soon as Keekley saw that back was engaged, Whoa. boy, he pulled the trigger. Yeah. And so everybody was getting pressure on Colin Kaepernick. And he looked like he was having to hold on to the ball and didn't have a lot of places to go. Now, Mario Manningham came back. They needed him to come back healthy. He had three catches. You know, he had a presence. But what do you think that when Vernon Davis went out with Huge. the concussion? Huge. Huge. Because that's... That's the go-to guy. That's the fastest man on the on the field, and 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 it, they were they were just different. They were they weren't moving the ball very well when he was there. But boy, when he went down, it was unique to the 49ers. We always hear about guys that can take a top off a of defense, right? You got to be able to stretch it. And the 49ers, oddly, that's Vernon Davis. Yeah, he's the guy that can take that top off. And and Greg Roman, the defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator, coach for me in Baltimore, very good coach. 
He talked about it felt like the roof was closing in on him, mm. meaning that because they in your have production the, meeting. Yeah, it, it means, you know, meaning that that because they couldn't they don't have that guy to take the top off the defense. The defenses are kind of clamping down on them, mm-hmm. you know, and you mm-hmm. all of a sudden that. That, those underneath zones, there's just a whole bunch of folks because they don't have to account for someone deeper. And when then they lost Vernon Davis and they also lost Selleck early. So you know oh. how much they love to do the three tight end come yeah, at you. Yeah. They're now down to one tight end. So the 49ers did have some curves thrown them in the game due to injury. Did they say when Michael Crabtree might be back on the field? Well, when we were out of practice, um, Manningham, like you said, he looked real good. He was working okay. hard. You could uh-huh. tell, you know, because we weren't sure, okay, you're going to be up and how much you're going to play. We watched him out of practice. He was working real hard, coming okay. out of his breaks and, and had a lot of guys throwing to him. So you thought, okay, he's going to be back into it. Um, I've had an Achilles. I've had I've had a ruptured Achilles. And Did that, that happen on your bike or yeah, what, what were you no, doing? No, no, that, that's why I'm on a bike now because I can't I can't do anything else but get on a bicycle as old as I'm getting. But uh, Michael Crabtree, that's a that's a, an injury particularly for a receiver coming in out of breaks. I think they feel like in the next couple of weeks. I don't think it's going to be. Was he practicing? No. Uh, and, and he's moving around, but he wasn't, he wasn't actually practicing. I think it may be December before we see Michael Crabtree, mm-hmm. and they desperately need him. Because as we know, they brought, you know, Anquan Bolden kind of replaced Delaney Walker. And it's mm-hmm. all this intermediate stuff. And Colin Kaepernick, you know me, I love Colin Kaepernick. I, I just think his sheer physical ability to throw the ball. But it's, you can tell he's not the same. There's an unfamiliarity with this group of receivers that compared to last year when they had Crabtree, they had Randy Moss, they had Delaney. They had a lot of options. Mm-hmm. What uh, we had the number sixty or seventy percent of the offense passing offense goes through Vernon Davis or Anquan Bolden, mm-hmm. and you know what the other guys know that too. So uh, Cam Newton, I agree. I've had four or five Carolina games, and and I really should be on the payroll because I keep tell, well. We when we did the coach show, Ron Rivera, yeah. when I asked, and him, then we had their Thursday night game. Yeah, too, and um, just... they uh, uh, you know they're playing so well, Cam. Cam's playing very, very well. What he's not doing is making a lot of plays down the, down field, the field with his arm. And that's the thing that's missing. I think it will come back. Because they used to be the most explosive. In 2011 and 2012, they were first and third, respectively, in making big plays mm. down the field. Now they're last or second to last in the league in big plays. Yeah. He doesn't have a great deep ball. It's a little flat. Really? Is it him or is it his receiving think, core that might not be able to Well, they deep? too don't really have that guy to take the top off. Ted Ginn can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Brandon LaFell's opposite of Steve Smith, and so they've got enough receivers. Greg Olson, excellent tight end. But his his deeper balls, he's so strong, they tend to be a little flat. Okay. You know, Bill Walsh always told, told us, you know, you gotta got to have a little arc to it. Kid, throw it. I always remember the story with Phil Simms. Phil Simms talks about when Bill Walsh came out to work him out in Kentucky, and, 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 and he had a big, strong arm, and Walsh kept saying, throw it. Show me some touch. A little lighter. A little lighter. Phil I said, Coach, I can throw an underhand if you want. <laughs> but it's the same thing. You know, it's you got to have that little bit of a touch. And I don't know that Cam has that right okay. now. I've had a lot of his games, and everything hmm. seems a little bit flat right now. Well, did, did you tell him? Did you yeah, tell him? And Cam, a little to touch. <laughs> yeah. Huh? You know. I, boy, he threw some outs and some oh. comebacks on the sideline, on a rope now, he can for do that. big plays. Oh, he can do that on third downs. His third down passer rating was 120, best in the league, Going into this game, and he made some more plays on third down, like shoom, really confidently uh, throwing that out at like nobody else. I, I mean, kept expecting impressive. the 49ers because they did convert on some key third downs, and they were all out routes, which he can't throw. I thought, you know what? Why don't you think about taking that stuff? Make him throw in the middle because that's where it tends to sail. It's where he threw interceptions. So, uh, well, let's. Let, and you're right. It was such a great defensive game, but everybody got then all focused on the the offensive game with the Saints and the Cowboys and what happened. 
Sunday night. I got what in my happened? flight in, and I'm, I had a chance to watch most of the game. And it's like, you know, I did the Dallas-Detroit game where Detroit just let them lit them up. Now, when you lose Sean Lee, that hurt. That hurt yeah, the Dallas and, Cowboys. And, and he's got that bad hammy now, and it's... I hope, I, I hope it's just Brew Breeze, New Orleans is that good at home because they look pretty good. Yeah, and the 49ers have to go yes, this to, week. to New Orleans. That'll be a doozy because uh, two very good teams. But uh, Dallas is just – it's and Sean Lee is like the straw that breaks the camel's back because they're so banged up with their front four – their you know, the front four, the front guys. They've got four guys that are not there that they were counting on. Of course, uh, DeMarcus Ware came back, but he didn't look 100%. And to give to give up forty first downs, forty Brian, that's that's ridiculous. Well, we've seen Drew Brees get hot. I think what jumped out at me was how does this how did this team, New Orleans, I'm talking about, look so bad against the Jets? Well, remember Darren Sproles went out early. It shows you the effect that Darren Sproles has and the ability to just those little dump off passes. I'll throw it to yeah. Marcus Colston and I'll get Jimmy Graham down the field and you know Brees is going to spread around. But when I need that just little drop off and mm-hmm. I can get that to a Darren yeah. Sproles and he turns it for 30, 40, 50 yards, yeah. to me that was the thing that was so stark. And, and well, so let's talk about the NFC East then. Where, where does uh, that leave us? Uh. Dallas has still swept the division now. So that's important. <laughs> it's not a great division. At five and five. Can they hold them off? Can they hold Philadelphia off? You know, and you got to look at the schedule, too, because, you know, they are going to play each other in Dallas last game of the season. Yeah. And it, it may come down to it, that. It'll probably come down to that. You know, the other team, and I, you know, you and I both, you know, we kind of root for Tom Coughlin because he's our generation, right. and he loses his first six, and now he's got a three-game winning streak. Can he climb back into this thing? Who knows? Um, and then the, the Redskins were three and six last year. When everybody was saying, uh, you know, you better uh, start playing for your job and this and that. And uh, that's what Mike said in his press conference. And lo and behold, they go to put, go on a streak and win that division. And, and this year, they could possibly do the same thing. Because last year, the Giants had six wins at that time. This year, the, the best in that division is only five wins when the Redskins are three and six. So they're closer to uh, winning that division than they were a year ago at this point in time. So that is so up for grabs. You never know what you're going to get over no. there in, in, in the NFC. That used to be the strongest division, year in and year out, right. and now it's not. And what irritates me is, because I'm, I'm one that believes we ought to reseed the playoffs. Okay, one so let's, through let's, six. So, okay, so, so what say ha- that again. So if I win my division like Seattle did at 7-9 and nine a few years ago. What's going to happen this year? And, and we just talked about the yeah. NFC East. Let's, might, whether it's might. Dallas, it could be 8-8. Eight and eight, sure. And now it's going to be a 10-6, a, a an 11-5 and five 49er team, right, mm. or a Carolina Panther team mm. has to go in on the road as the fourth or uh, fifth or sixth seed to play an 8-8 eight and eight, you know, NFC East team. I, to me, you you got the benefit of being the division champ because you got into the playoffs. Because your record by itself wasn't going to get you in. And there's going to, you know what? There's going to be a nine and seven, ten and six. God forbid, eleven and five team don't make it to the playoffs. Well, the Patriots. The only time they didn't make the playoffs when Tom Brady got hurt. Right. Castle was eleven and five. They didn't get in. Right. So I'm I'm all for receding <laughs> with that. So let's. I want to move on to because this brought something up because I had both Cam Newton and Colin Kaepernick in my game. Sounds like Jake Locker is out for the season. And let's yeah, remember, they all Frank. came out of the same draft. Cam Newton was number one. Locker was in the eighth pick. Blaine Gabbert was the tenth pick. Mm-hmm. Christian Ponder. <laughs> yeah. Tell me, stop me when I get to a good quarterback here, okay? Yeah, Christian played pretty well against the Redskins the other night until he got hurt. Uh, 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 and then uh, Andy Dalton uh, was the 35th pick. If yeah. I'm not mistaken, Colin Kaepernick was the 36th. Yeah. That's now, a pretty good class, though. Well, at, yeah, the, yeah, at yeah. the back end. But here's the question I've got for you, because this occurred to me. 
These guys, because of the new CBA, these, most of these guys were on four-year contracts. And we know if you're going to pay a franchise guy, if you're going to keep him, it's going to close to, close to $100 million, okay? So let's go down the list. Million. Yeah, let's start with Cam Newton. You give him $100 million? Cam? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, you got to pay what the is, market will bear. Is he good enough to um, Are you going to give him the $100 million? I think I think he's like hesitating. We're talking yeah, about hundred million. A lot of money. It's, not, it's not my money, Joe. I should just <laughs> so, say, heck, pay him. Pay him. But you, you got to have a quarterback, and you got to have a. I think with these guys that are like maybe you do, maybe you don't, because they got to decide on Colin Kaepernick next year, and he, and he took him to the Super Bowl last year. So at the beginning of the season in the Bay Area, you start reading about, hey, this is the guy. Well, and that's what I'm telling you. Cam Cam's got one more year on the contract. Kaepernick's got Kaepernick's got one, one year. More. So what I'm saying one is, more. you got the choice. Do I start... do I get ahead of the market? Yeah, I think... do I feel good enough, or yeah. do I do a Joe Flacco and yeah. make him go one more year? Uh, if I'm Jed York, or if I'm you know over there, if, if, if Mr. Richardson, and I'm starting to say, hey, all right, I got a chance to do this at a discount, mm-hmm. you know. And say, hey, Cam, you know, we're going to give you whatever it is. Maybe it's an $80 million contract now that, that, that benefits both sides. And that we don't wait another year uh, like Joe Flacco. That was, a, that was a, boy, that was rolling the Roll dice. Rolling the dice. Paid off. Uh, paid off. And uh, even though he's not playing very well right now and Matt Ryan's not playing all that well right now after a $100 million contract, maybe you can sign some of these. I wouldn't do it to all of them. This, this isn't game day morning, so I get to press you here. I what? want an answer. You've talked all around. Did Give I, me an answer. Did I do, moonwalk on do that you, one? Do you resign? Whether it's I now. I resign Cam okay. next year. I How about do, Kaepernick? I would resign Kaepernick. I would make sure that, you know, it, it's, it's one where you're not guaranteeing $60 million of it mm-hmm. somehow because it's a year early kind of thought. Uh, as far as Jake Locker is concerned, I'm not there yet in my And the mind. injuries killed him, kind of yeah. like a Jay Cutler. Absolutely. Uh, you, you, how do you pay these guys at the end of the year? Because part of that is performance. Right. Part of it is dependability. And, and when, you, when you miss a lot of games and you don't have – you have a small sample size of work, it's hard, to, it's hard to put out that kind of money. So I would hold off on Jake Locker. Uh, Andy Dalton, I'd start talking to him next year yeah. too because he's been very good and he's been average and he's been, been all the playoffs. of that. Twice in a row, he, he's he's won that. He's been in the playoff twice in a row. He's probably going to win that division again. What else you want from a guy from Cincinnati? Right. So so anyway, I think I'm some glad of these it's not guys my hundred million dollars. I know, I know. And you notice I didn't answer the question. Uh, Why don't you? <laughs> Go ahead, give me an answer on because you know Cam. here's the difference. I, I, and 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 you got a great gig on Sunday. I have to go into these buildings every Friday. So if I sit here and say yeah. I wouldn't give Cam Newton hundred million dollars, oh, I'm going to have Carolina in a couple of weeks. Yeah, Cam is going to sit down. He's not going to talk to you now. It's my money. Okay, don't be don't be talking about not giving me the money. So I'm a little okay. bit different. That I got to go sit with these guys. Yep. Um, we got a category here. We're talking about some interesting situations, um, and and th- we've framed it the powers that be of what's the better coaching situation. Let's preface this by saying, I don't know about you, I can't speak for you. Well, we're, we're happy with our podcast. Yeah, we're good to go. We like I'm this not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm done coaching. Okay, thank okay. you. So I keep my stat pat lines. We're a package They're looking for young podcast. and cheap, and you and I are neither, so we don't have to worry about it. So we don't have a horse in this race. We're not lobbying okay, here. But right. Let's talk about right now uh, what's the better situation. If you got to choose, if all of a sudden you got to pick to be the head coach of one of these two teams, Seahawks or Chiefs, this is an odd way of saying who do you think is the better team. Who's a better team? Okay, so both now and one. So forward. boy, well, this is a tough. This get, get a, you have a coin. You have a coin. Yeah, no, I don't. But I'll, okay. I'll uh, okay. So rock paper scissors. Um, you know, I just went out to see Andy Reid, and yes. and, and uh, on my birthday. Yep, that's dedication. And so, 
to interview him. He's 9-0, and they're healthy, and they had the bye week. And, of course, their next game is the big one against Peyton Manning. Um, and, and I was hanging out in that facility with him. The best part of that whole day was when I got there, Brian, he had this big spread in his office. We ate some barbecue ribs, beef, pork ribs, burnt ends. We had the whole thing. We had to have a pregame meal before the interview. <laughs> it was awesome. And then uh, so we talked about his team, and there was such a good, of course you can imagine, a good feeling in the building like, hey, you know, we were on our way. And, of course, last year they were 2-14 and 14 and no pro coach in any pro league has gone from the worst record yeah. to 9-0 and 0, ever in the history of the world, okay? And so the, things are pretty good around there. And that was a kind of a neat environment. Now, are they going to remain undefeated? No, probably not. They've got a tough schedule coming up. Denver twice, San Diego twice, the Colts, you know. But uh, that would be a fun team to coach because they're pretty young. They have a great defense. I like what Alex Smith's doing. I like yeah, It's Charles. hard to argue what Pete has put together. Yeah. Both Pognon, two teams, good defenses. Both got good running, uh, uh, running backs and, and yep. running attack. So I guess what it comes down to, Russell Wilson or Alex Smith. Yeah, who do you um, feel better about? Yeah, you know I like them both. Uh, is, is, is that a fence? Is that yeah? A, that's 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 being decisively yeah. middle of the road. I I, uh, I like the maturity of uh, an experience level of Alex Smith, and he's good for what they're doing. Right. Um, right. Russell Wilson is just a baller. This kid is yeah. so I, I, I like the Russell Wilson. I mean, yeah. Alex Smith is great, but I yeah. think I'll go with Russell and, Wilson. And Seattle's a good young team, too. And, and uh, of course, both, both teams have these great fan bases and tough wins uh, for somebody to come in. All stadiums. right, let's, 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 again, it's always quarterback concentric, but let's talk about if you got to take over the Colts with Andrew Luck or the Panthers with Cam mm. Newton. Mm. You know, I, I like... Uh, Panthers I, got a better defense right now. They are. They are. You know, I... I just there's not many people that I would choose over Andrew Luck. Yeah, I think he's he's special in so many ways. Um, there are there's there are no concerns about anything on and off the field. Uh, his running ability, his ability to lead, to be the face of the organization. He always says and does the right things. Uh, not that some of these other quarterbacks in the league aren't like that, but he's young. He's only a second year guy, and he's and he looks like he's going to be durable. And who yeah. knows? But he looks like he's going to be around for a long time, breaking a lot of records. Yeah, and the, and the Colts uh, the Colts have a lot more needs. You know, I'm with you. Andrew Luck is is absolutely, but the Colts have to rebuild the defense. I don't know if they've you know established the running attack yet. I don't know if they haven't got that answer. You they know? tried to do they it got with Trent Richardson, Trent Richardson, there Richardson there and, but uh, he's been invisible. Yeah, so so they have more moving parts. There's more to put together, I think, in Indianapolis. But the fact that you're doing it with Andrew Luck makes it a lot. Uh, that, that makes it pretty good. Oh, well, here's a tougher one. Mm. What's the hardest road back if you were to take over? Which would, which would you take in terms of the more difficult job to turn back around, the Redskins or the Falcons? Both have good quarterbacks. They do. They're, all, they're both set at quarterback for a long time. And, uh, you know, I like the situation at the Falcons a little bit better only because they will become healthy at some point. It, they really got decimated with injuries. And all those guys that are hurt are going to come back, and they're relatively young guys. Uh, the Redskins are still paying for RG3 with yeah. draft choices. So, you know, when you give away three ones and a two, you know, those are guys that would typically start for you, and they're non-existent because they have the great quarterback. They chose to put a lot of eggs in one basket. And so I think they're better. I think the Falcons, they'll have their all their draft choices, and they'll get their injured guys back. And I, I think that really the, the significant guy that they're going to lose will be Tony Gonzalez, and then, then they move on. 
Falcons got to rebuild the defense. They got to get some personnel there. The Redskins do do a degree, but they've got some good personnel on defense. Uh, the difficulty for the Falcons that I see coming up is they just signed uh, Matt Ryan. They've got to re-sign Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. That's going to take a big chunk. Mm-hmm. Does that mean there's no room for what Roddy White? Obviously, Tony Gonzalez is going to be yeah, gone. Have so some of the parts that you're talking about, it may be more to build in Atlanta than it looks like right now because of some cap things coming on in terms of contracts they have to do, and they've got to rebuild that defense. Their first mm-hmm. and second-round draft choices were, were the corners, which was a good start, but mm-hmm. they need a rush end. Mm-hmm. They need more depth at linebacker. Falcons, may it may be a little bit more of a, a, a build than we think. Well, you started out, we talked about the Kansas City Chiefs. You had We had a chance to... Uh, we're going to play right now on the Coach Show podcast a bit from that interview that I'm surprised you got to. You guys didn't sleep for four hours after that banquet you ate. <laughs> I don't know how long it took to tape this thing, but let's take a listen to your interview and visiting with Andy Reid that you did on your interview for Game Day Morning. You're winning by giving Alex Smith a second chance, aren't you? What was it that you saw in Alex that said, hey, this has got to be my guy? Smart, uh, tough seasoned veteran that's gone through the highs and the lows of the National Football League, which can be brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, great leader. Uh, makes people around him better. All those qualities that you had at Northern Michigan to win the national champion or play oh, in the national. Thank you. Yeah. Play, win. 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 Yeah, thank you right. for bringing that up. That's right, yeah. Speaking of second chances, you gave Michael Vick a second chance when nobody else would. Why? Well, I, listen, I, I think everybody deserves a an opportunity if they if they figured it out and have gotten it right, you know, or tried to get it right uh, the best way they can. And so you evaluate that, and I did that with Michael, and and uh, he's a great kid. I mean, we we in the business we knew big heart, good person uh, was in a bad situation, put himself in a bad situation. I mean, admittedly so, um, but got it straight, got it right, and worked out well for him. Where does this willingness to give out lifelines come from? I, you know, I don't know. I, I, probably our upbringing, family, parents, you know, my kids went through it, my sons, so uh, they were given a second chance. And, you know, uh, that's, that's part of life. This is better than Johnny Carson. Not bad. Well, we'll replay the entire interview next week on the Coach Show podcast, but that was was great to see you and Andy get back together and to visit. Uh, That's going to do it for the Coach Show podcast. Make sure you uh, subscribe on iTunes, and we'll be back next week here on the Coach Show podcast.